Welcome to the podcast, the destination for insightful discussions and interviews on the appreciation, conservation, and husbandry of reptiles with a focus on turtles and tortoises. Now, let's join our team of turtle nerds. Woo! Time Hi, to everyone. party like it's episode 99. Yeah. My wife just walked by and rolled her eyes <laughs> on me as I said that. <laughs> oh, thanks, Shan. Appreciate you. We'll talk about it on the next turtley devotion. I, I mean, let's let's be places. honest. Is there is there anything that makes you feel more loved than when your wife rolls her eyes hard at a pun you've said? Yes. Isn't that the perfect reaction that you want, right? Yeah. Like that's what I'm I'm going for, right? I'm going for that hard eye roll because I know that's as good as I'm going to get for laughter on some of those puns. So they eye roll because they care. They really do. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Exactly. Yikes. Welcome Especially when it follows one of your uh, dad jokes. Yeah, definitely. I don't make dad jokes, okay? No, that's I Minto's make, department. Uh, I'm No, I probably do make dad jokes. I don't know. Yeah. Trying to give myself more credit than I deserve. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to podcast episode 99. This is this is big. Next one's 100. That's, that's in about three weeks. We don't normally do multiple in a month, but we historically have... You know, there have been times where we haven't been able to do one at all in a month or several months, uh, which is why 10 years plus in, we're only getting to 100 now, right? We should be up near 120. There's been a couple of lulls there, but there's also been times historically where we've added in an extra show if we have the time and the availability, the, the opportunity. So uh, we like doing these shows that don't have a guest once in a while so we can talk about what we have going on and then also just get to know each other a little more. Some, these are some of the shows where we really spill the beans on what we have going on. And I thought it was really fitting because Emily's been with us now five episodes, maybe, right? We did. I think so. Yeah. Five-ish. Since and, December. Uh, yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we have, we never actually did an episode with you as the guest either. And I'm not saying I want to put you on the hot seat because we did not discuss this ahead of <laughs> I'm time. I'm the guest. But if we got you, surprise, you're the guest. <laughs> okay. Tell us all about yourself. No, uh, I think stuff will will come out. We have lots of we all have lots of things going on. Emily just finished up some travel. Where'd you, where'd you go, Emily? I went to Atlanta. Yeah, it was awesome. It's so nice ATL. down there. Mm-hmm. And you said that right as Greg chimed in, which is great because Greg's in ATL. Oh yeah, that's cool. Oh. Yeah, Greg's Turtle Haven. I, you had things going on, but if you were like looking for things or people, I, I would have put you in touch with Greg, and then he would have you know, probably ghosted you because he's, you know, doing his own thing and doesn't want some random person coming and and stopping by. But is he just as bad as getting back to texts as you are? (laughs) No, he's much better than I am. Uh, I just, I said he would ghost you just to take the, uh, the um, The attention off of myself and my own flakiness. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, So Atlanta, I, it was almost spring here right before I went and then I went down there and it was spring and I have really bad allergies so the allergies like punched me in the face and then when I came back up here we were in the midst of spring and uh so I got like a double punch from spring on both ends I have really bad seasonal allergies so that's why I'm so upset about it (laughs) that's how I felt too I went to Florida for like a week and a half just got Mm -hmm. back the end of last week, just got back to work today. And uh, it was, it's strange. I, I came to my backyard and it, like everything grew in, in like a week and a half. It's crazy. Yeah. 
how much progress there is when you're not staring at it, you know, five times a day when you're making your rounds. Um, Greg, yeah. I was just reading your message. Uh, I'd have dragged her into a creek to set traps uh, until I got to the last three words, set traps. It was a little creepy, but yeah, I would have gone to set traps. Yeah. <laughs> this is a turtle podcast, yeah. okay? Set traps yeah. means something different. Than, I, was, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. Those, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Greg's cool. He's, he's, he's a good sport. So I'm sure he likes that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's really cool. And then, and then uh, we also, uh, Steve and I got together recently. I know we talked on two podcasts ago about getting together in uh, Pennsylvania for some wood turtle work. So we did that, had a really epic day. I hope we touch on that. I'm continuing to build stuff in the greenhouse. And then of course, things are all coming together in terms of it's spring. So animals are waking up, they're starting to do things. There's lots of updates. Steve, I know you're getting some eggs. I'm getting some eggs. Emily, I'm sure you guys have cool stuff going on at Riverside. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I thought we could just kind of touch base and, and have a session, you know, just us. So here we okay. are. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle says, hey everyone, this is a very nice surprise. Kyle, happy to surprise you, man. Yeah, surprise. Hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy. Surprise, mm -hmm. Emily's the guest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're all the guests we're all the guests yeah yeah what what did you do in in atl all right so the number one thing that i did was i got to go swimming with the whale sharks at the georgia aquarium and that was without a doubt probably the best experience of my life it was really cool that's yeah. insane that's like george core george i'm sorry george jeff corwin status mm -hmm. yeah I, that's how i felt a little bit i was a little bit nervous when I was going into it, just because I had to do it by myself. Um, I went with my best friend, Jackie, and she didn't really want to do that part. So <laughs> I had to do it on my own. I was like, there's no way I'm passing up on this opportunity. And I would give it a 12 out of 10. Would do again, for sure. Yeah. Would highly <laughs> recommend. Oh, yeah. I will say I... I think I had built the whale sharks up in my mind as these as a lot bigger than they were. So when I saw them, I was like, Okay, not as big as I thought you were, but still massive. And then manta rays, a lot bigger than you think they are. Mm -hmm. Black-tipped reef sharks, a lot smaller than you think they are. Groupers, enormous. And mm. then uh, there was also a soft... Grouper is also tasty. I'm just going to throw it? that in there. Grouper <laughs> can also be quite tasty. Yeah, my mouth <sighs> was not watering while I was in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> I caught a large grouper once, but I didn't eat it. I let it go. It's like, yeah. I, it was so, okay. So when I say large, I caught like a 20 pound grouper. That is like a guppy grouper, but I mean, it's still pretty big. It was still cool to catch, you know, a grouper that was like big. Yeah. Yeah. Not really big. Anyway. Like this bigger than an infant. That's pretty big. Yes. So, for a fish. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a big infant, 20 pounds. But the, <laughs> yes. She said whale sharks. Now, were they full grown whale sharks? It was like, these are as big as whale sharks get. Um, they were about a little bit of over 20 feet, I think. There's two, they were, um, they're both male and they were wild caught. So uh, I guess what happens is in, uh, in Asia where they caught them, they said that they were selling them to the fish market just to be consumed. And the aquarium stepped in and they were like, we can save these two and bring them here. So that's kind of a nice story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, those males could keep could get bigger yet too, right? Or is it um, the females that get that get really big? I'm not sure. They okay. gave us uh, a lot of rules rather than a lot of history yeah. on the whale sharks, uh, and I'm a huge. <laughs> 
like I, I just like, I'm really big on rules. So if someone gives me a lot of rules, I will follow it to a T and I will not break that rule. And I, my whole life is going to be dedicated towards making sure I don't break these rules. And so when they gave me this giant list, I had all this anxiety. I was just like, okay, don't touch the whale sharks. Make sure you're always paying attention to your instructor two feet away from your partner and 10 feet away from the partner in front of you. And it was, yeah, it was really stressful, but <laughs> still a lot of fun. This is awesome. This is why I love working with you so much because you are on it. You're like super yeah, organized very and on a. top of everything, following <clears throat> the rules. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, he's willy nilly, and, and I'm one. the opposite. Mary Poppins. <laughs> I'm willy nilly too, so I appreciate you a lot. Normally, though, ones type ones like you get really frustrated with people like myself or Brian because it's like, come on, we had a plan. Let's talk about. It. And now you're talking to people next to the cage, next to the, the exhibits for three hours. Like mm -hmm. we were supposed to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we care. Yeah. It's just, sometimes we just look like we forgot, but we really, there's a method to our madness, but yeah, that's, eventually that's it's only a matter of time key. until you're like, right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's only, it's only a matter of time before you blow this up too. And you're like, come on guys, snap it. Like whip yourselves into shape and chop chop we need to do something with this but that's okay i'm enjoying this honeymoon period where you're still sitting back and letting us embarrass ourselves so only a matter of time <laughs> folks you'll see it on <laughs> unravel live here on cast and i'm looking forward to it a lot that's crazy so that was the highlight the I, yeah maybe i'll be loosey-goosey next time who knows yeah mm -hmm. it won't happen I mean, we can, <laughs> we can say that, you know, anything is possible, you know, mm -hmm. Justin Bieber, never say never, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's happened. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen that way. Fortunately, it's, it's not a matter of if or how it's when, but, uh, so how the heck does that happen? Like, how do you, you guys aren't some big AZA facility, you know, zoo Atlanta is, how does that, how do you set that up? Is there somebody, you know, or is it something you pay for? For and us we don't to have become to No, no, for you guys, for you personally to get down there and swim with whale sharks. How does that happen? Because you know everyone is oh, going to listen to this and oh. be so jealous. Is there any part of that Actually, that you want to share? Anyone can do it. Yeah, anyone can do it. Really? You just have to plan months in advance um, because I decided to book this appointment. Uh, I think it was maybe two to three months out. And I was shocked when I went online and I saw that their calendar was completely full up until the one day that we were there. They just happened to be an open spot. So if you want to swim wow. with whale sharks yourself, all you have to do is just go on their website and book it. It is a little bit pricey, but I have to tell you, it was worth its weight in gold. It was such a wonderful experience. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's really incredible. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I figured you knew somebody. So uh, yeah. it's like here in Connecticut, like you can go to stick and feed the penguins, but this is a bigger, literally mm -hmm. a much bigger thing. <laughs> much bigger, <laughs> well, yeah. Li mm -hmm. Literally. It was about that's, a three that's hour really experience. Cool. Mm -hmm. And wow. there's not a lot of swimming involved either. They had another option where you can go actually diving into the tank you do need to be scuba certified and i'm not but from what i understood if you were interested in seeing the manta rays and the whale sharks then the swim is the better option anyway because they're they tend to hang out around the surface anyway and they specifically said you're not allowed to touch them but they're allowed to touch you so it happened a few times 
there was a collision where I was just minding my own business and then the whale shark was minding his own business and he bumped into me and uh, I just had to sit there and get thrown around. Uh, not really, he wasn't throwing me around. He just went on his merry way and I was along for the ride until I was uh, unattached to him and then I could swim back to my group, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, so that is worth so its cool. weight. Yeah. That's great. I love I, it. I volunteered for some research in 2017. I was down with the North American Freshwater Turtle Research Group. Say that three times fast. And uh, we yeah. we were we had like a manatee research zoo, and we were like when we find a turtle, we throw it in the canoe. And anyway, we were out there in the springs and there were manatee everywhere, and they were like, You can't go near the manatee, you have to stay away from them. But for whatever reason, they like thought I was one of them and they were really curious about me in particular. And they kept going for me. And I, I manatee don't move fast, but I assure you, I swim slower. I'm, I'm not no Olympian for sure. And they just kept coming up to me and it was like, I don't know what to do. So, and I'm not a rigid follower, but it was egregious how many times I was getting like very uh, suspiciously close to the manatee. I had to make, sure i was showing everyone definitively what was it trying, trying to, to move do? away from these large animals i don't know i mean it never achieved anything it never did anything to me <laughs> but it just they just no matter where i went they would just come in my direction every time and there they was thought like, you were one of your one them because you're big yeah yeah <laughs> i was wearing all black. I was like one color i obviously wasn't gray they probably just thought i was a weird like dark manatee mm -hmm. <laughs> it was great like, what is this turtles. thing in the water? Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I don't know. Look at that hairy manatee. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> so I know the feeling. Like, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be following the rules and I really want to, but it's not working out right now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so so I also had some travel. You were able to come down because you were, no, but is that when you were down in Atlanta that we were, is that when yep. you didn't go? Yeah, we went away yeah. the same week. Pennsylvania? Oh, so mm -hmm. same. Yeah, I'm so in how Pennsylvania. Was Kevin Minto and I drove down. Uh, we got to hang out with Steve and Andy Weber and uh, Miranda and Danielle, some of the Turtle Room peeps, which was really cool. And then we also had uh, some guests from the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission. Uh, Steve can explain all of this better than me so tell me to shut up if i'm not supposed to be explaining any of it but uh, it, was, it was great like being able to be down there see them see seen the site before and it, it was crazy because we, they do time sites this was the coolest part so they do timed uh, uh surveys so you have you can do the math right like if we spent this much time in the creek and we had this many people found this many animals animals than a mathematic formula that you can use. Great that I'm explaining this while Steve is the mathematician uh, and the person who runs this. So forgive me, Steve. Uh, and you- Andy runs, Andy runs the project at this point. Right, right. Well, I mean, you can, you oversee that and, and it's a passion project for you too. So I didn't mean to take away from Andy's uh, amazing work, but yeah. So there's a, there's a formula that can show over time we're doing better now than we were vice versa. You can look at trends with, with a very specific, tangible number associated with how you're doing, which is so cool. So we get to the site and it's, you know, we're waiting, we've got to get there. Someone was going to come and going to come and then they were going to come. So we were like meeting and waiting and it was supposed to maybe rain on and off, but we were ready for a little bit of rain, no deal, you know? So we get out to the site 
and it's like you're you're hoofing it and we're like probably 40 minutes or so behind where we wanted to be or where we planned to be maybe an hour out <laughs> not of quite no it was probably closer walk. to 20 25 minutes okay. i don't believe you because I, I, I pulled up like three minutes late and we yeah, were there. For yeah. Yeah. We normally, we yeah, we normally don't we get, not, and then we waited. yeah, we normally don't get down to the, down to the Creek and actually start until like nine thirty nine forty anyway. So we, we started our time survey or, well, we caught that turtle on the way, which also delayed us starting our time survey as well. Remember we caught an off track turtle before we yes. even actually began. So, well, that was the cool part because we found two turtles, which is, lame steve's all upset everyone's upset when they found your turtles for me once you find we'll explain one, more later <laughs> you're just you're playing with house money yeah yeah you're playing with house money once you find one and we found one before the count actually started so you have to actually while we were just walking there it was just sitting right there uh perfect time of year we knew we were going to find stuff this is great but we're playing with house money at that because you found one you don't have to worry about are we going to get skunked you know uh, not literally, but, you know, find nothing. So we're, you know, they're taking measurements and every, I, when I say we, I'm not doing anything because I'm not, part, I'm not in the permit this year. So it's a big deal. I wasn't planning on going down. Uh, so they're taking measurements, the most detailed measurements you've ever seen. They're so in depth and taking measurements of everything. Really cool to observe. And it starts raining and it's raining like oh. harder and then harder and then harder. And it, like, Steve, have you ever been rained on? Like, you were rained on that day? One other time that I can remember, I was in western Pennsylvania as a teenager golfing with my great uncle. And if you guys have <laughs> never been in the hills of western Pennsylvania in the summer, in like August, occasionally you just get these monsoon rains that just like the clouds butt up against the, the Appalachians out there and just pours. That's what it reminded me of, Anthony, that one other time. It was so specific that you remember that one time. (laughs) Well, it was that heavy of a rain. And that's the point is like when when you've been rained on that hard, Mm -hmm. you remember when and where it happened. It got, it was to a point where it was like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe how hard it's raining. And then it rained like three times harder. Like I can't even explain to you. Uh, and the few times I've gone out, it's funny cause I don't have, I don't have waders cause I'm huge and have like a size 18 foot and I can find waders, but I've, I don't go out enough to feel like it's worth spending big money on like good waders that would fit me in my size 18 f- feet. So, uh, I'm always like underdressed, like everyone has their waders and they're all ready. They're professional. And I'm like in hiking boots and shorts, like that's, <laughs> but it was another one of those times where, and I feel like I always get lucky where like, I'm not slipping on the rocks cause I have hiking boots and everyone else has waders. Or in this case, everyone's waders are filled with water, like up to their waist oh, and they're sloshing sucks. around. Yeah. And I'm that's totally, a hard training. Yeah. And I'm more comfortable. Wow. Yeah. It yeah. Was, so it was crazy. I, I've never gotten, you know, I've never tripped so that I've topped my waders, right? This was the first time I had to dump my waders out. And it was because it was raining so hard. It soaked through our shirts and was literally running down our bodies into the waders. Like it was the heavy, uh, it was just terrible. Um, yeah. And Anthony was planning on what we call wet wade. You just kind of go in with, you know, you know, a pants and shoes you don't like try to protect yourself from from getting soaked right so so he was 
like you said, was probably the most comfortable because he was literally planning on getting that wet. <laughs> while the rest of us were wearing things that were holding water in against Correct. us. Correct. <laughs> you guys were all water balloons and I was just wet. Yeah, it yeah. was it was wild. It, it was yeah. wild. And we ended up finding um, one other that was a juvenile. And I say we, again, not me. I didn't find either of the turtles. Not a great outdoorsman. Uh, I try, but um, that one was a juvenile that was on the land area, which was awesome. Really cool find. It's not often that you find um, juvenile or neonate wood turtles. It's a really rare thing to find. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Uh, and yeah, I mean, by that time, the, the thunder and lightning were very, very close together. The storm was like right over us. It was like, okay, let's risk everything and cross back. Over the little docile, we were leaving. It was like a raging river, uh, which oh, yeah. actually scared me at one point to cross back over. And then we walked back and we got back up to the cars finally after the journey. And then the rain had stopped, but we were pot committed at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, some more context to the amount of rain. It didn't really rain all that hard while we were processing that first turtle. Showered a little bit, right? It didn't in, really in rain. In comparison, I felt like it was raining pretty hard at that point. Like, wow, this needs to slow down. But in comparison, it was nothing. Not as hard as that time he was golfing, but. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so we, we got in the water. We figured we were going to be okay. We were like, it's going to pass from what we had seen on the radar, right? So by the time, from the time we actually started our timed survey, and then found that juvenile and called it quits. The amount of time we had spent on the actual hour, uh, no, on the, well, this was only going to be a 15 minutes. We were only on the first segment, which is only a 15 minute segment instead of an hour segment because we only do a quarter of the distance. But we, we were on the clock for six minutes and 18 seconds. And in that amount of time, the water went up several inches, turned completely brown, and we had a half gallon of water in our waders. <laughs> it was pretty epic. And we found a couple turtles. I mean, I know the first one didn't count towards the time survey, but we found two turtles in really what was cumulatively like five minutes of searching, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So I I'll take yeah. it. Like I always say, like you find one or more, like you're doing great. And I, you know, this is, I have to stick by my words here. Like it was, it was great. We, not only do we find some turtles, but we also have a story to tell about it as well. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good, uh, it was a good, good fun weekend for sure. It's been a weird spring at that site. We normally average in the teens, probably double digits at that site in a day. And, the three times we ended about at it this, this spring, uh, I think, um, I think the most amount of turtle we saw on a single visit was, was it like five or eight or something like that. So like well under average, um, only two the first time, only two that day. We didn't really like, but then, then we actually, I guess we were technically there four days since we didn't get a full survey in that day. We went back there the next day instead of to our other site. Um, but we still didn't catch like a ton of turtles. And then we were, we were there one more time, um, recently as well. And, um, yeah, so it was a really weird spring over, over at that site. Um, our old site, uh, felt like a relatively normal spring. Um, but it, it's amazing just what the uh, difference in latitude, and it's not that far, 
um, maybe not even like it's like a half a degree of latitude. The ama- it's amazing the difference uh, timing and and the weather difference and everything in any given season. So mm-hmm. um, that's really cool. Yeah. We, truth be told, with our last one, which we had to push back a week because it was raining again the week we were going to go do it. So we had to push it back a week. And by the time we get into early May, uh, down at that site, it's just too far south. We found um, a half a turtle on water. He was crawling out of the water to get onto land when we found him. All the rest of the wood turtles we found that day were on land. Um huh. By early May, it gets really difficult to find them there because they're already starting to, to spread out for summer. Um, up at the other site, they're still kind of hanging out. Now, we, we found most of those ones in the water the next day, but they're a lot closer to the water at the northern site because, it, you know, the climate's a little later there. So yeah, they're, they're kind of hanging out a little closer to the stream. So Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, wood turtles are really semi-aquatic, semi-terrestrial. They really live two lives and they're for the cooler seasons for breeding, for hibernation, they're in the water and then they move out onto land and live more of a terrestrial lifestyle until they make make it back to the water in the fall. Is that right, Steve? I'm not making yeah. anything up there, right? Yep. That's been my experience yep. with them yeah, in yeah. New York. That's, Most of my that's experience what we, is in New York. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that the even the their schedule up in New York, uh, you know, with what Anthony's observed, and you know, we have friends who do um, surveys down in Virginia. In fact, Miranda, our you know one of our uh, one of our team members, also helps on those, so she has firsthand experience. And it's just a like they'll go out in mid December down at the Virginia site. We wouldn't be able to find a turtle, especially at our northern site at that time. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right. December years. Like, Frozen tundra. Yeah, there's nothing right. going on up here in December. That's wild. I mean, if you knew where their hibernacula was, you could find them. Like I, I heard about at the New York site, like them finding a spot with a bunch of juvenile, not not young, not neonate, but but juvenile, younger wood turtles all hibernating in the same spot on the with, with some sunken logs uh, and like a oxbow or turn of a little creek or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Wood turtles are are an incredible iconic American species that, you know, people love. A lot of people who live in good climate for them cannot keep them in captivity because they're protected throughout most of their range. Uh, They don't do really, really well in Florida, although Thai Park has has hatched some. Uh, They're they're rarely, they rarely do very well for um, a lot of people in Florida, but yeah. Uh, And and they don't range down that, that way either, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool experience always. And got to go and see your new house and your new setup, Steve, with your captive stuff, which is really cool. And got to see a four-eyed turtle covering her nest or beginning to start to think about covering Attempting her nest. Attempting to. I stole those eggs She's not really fast. good at it. Yeah, she's I not really good at covering her nest anyway. If you wouldn't have pulled them out of that nest at that time, she might have accidentally kicked them into the water because she's done it before. So Rascal. She's... <laughs> Awful at covering nests. No skill. No skill. I mean, you know, they're all fertile, so she's good at something. All of us, yeah. you know, have our areas of improvement. That's right. right. It's okay. You got it. I, I have a star tortoise right now who's digging, and she, like, again and again and again, she's just digging test holes every single night. I'm trying to switch things up to make her happy, but it's like she's putting in so much effort. Like, just lay your eggs. I'll take care of them. Just, I wish I could talk yeah, to you and right. just tell you, like, I got this. I have a perfect incubator set up right now. I've hatched your eggs before. I wish I could tell you about that. 
But yeah, uh, if we yeah. could talk to animals, it would make things so much easier. I'd be like, she you are listen. imperiled. Stop throwing your eggs in the water, please. Right? Please. Stop, stop willy-nilly <laughs> just kicking your eggs all over the yeah, place. Yeah, stop kicking them around. Yeah. Oh, so, especially for um, a turtle. Like, of all the turtles to just yeah. willy-nilly kick it, right? it's like, doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Like, I don't need these anymore. <laughs> Help me out. No, she, 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 like, sometimes she tries so hard and like, for whatever reason, she just does not have the cover up skill. I've sat and watched her like, just like she tries. Bless her heart. But no. <laughs> Bless her um, whole heart. So, um, actually, uh, the big yellow blotch. So, you know, it's funny to watch patterns develop. So a couple of weeks ago, she had laid that that clutch uh, on a. I think she finally laid it on a Saturday. She had dug a test hole on Wednesday, dug a test hole on Thursday, dug a test hole on Friday, dug a hole on Saturday, and finally put him in the nest. Um, so I started seeing her like do some wandering onto the nest nest boxes again recently. Uh, let's see what was today Monday. So she dug a test hole on Saturday. She dug a test hole on Sunday. She dug a test hole today on Monday. I'm going to see if she lays the nest tomorrow on day four, just like she did with the last one. <laughs> Terrific! You could yeah. there's a you could write and a paper. all of her testicles are in the same spot. Uh, yeah, that's she, what I'm dealing with right now. With the and it's star. the same like, spot <laughs> she will lay her eggs in. She's Correct. laid her last her last two or three nests in the same exact spot in the nesting box. I think it's a lot like you know humans will experience with like Braxton yeah. or whatever or false you know false contractions yeah. or what have you. But it's like it's. <clears throat> They're there and you know the spot is okay because they've laid there before, same type of lighting, same time of year, and you yeah. you will end up laying your eggs there. But it's like the digging like brings on like that behavior almost seems like it stimulates the act of oviposition or, or laying the eggs. Yeah. But it doesn't happen every time. So it's like they're starting, right. like this could be it, and then it's like, oh, false yeah. alarm. Like I, yeah. I, I know that yeah, they I don't can know. choose their nest site, but it's like right. it's not changing that much between today and three days from now when she finally actually lays them there. But she's she no. keeps digging in the same place. I expected her to move around a little bit, the same place. And uh, just so everyone knows that the species Steve's talking about, yellow blotch, are yellow blotch yeah, map turtles or yeah. sawbacks. Uh, they're a, a species of uh, their species on the endangered species list. Uh, the ESA, just like we were talking, we've been talking a lot about Egyptians, but they're obviously an American species, so it makes a little more sense from a captive keeper standpoint. I, we we've talked before about how that's not the only thing that goes into ESA listing, but figured I'd mention that just so everyone knows. And you took such a scientific approach to interpreting her behavior. I was actually anthropomorphizing it a little bit. I was going to say it's kind of like when you go to the fridge and you open the door and you're like, eh, this is a a moderate nest site and then the next day you still have to lay your eggs and you're just like well let me just see is it as bad as i remember and you lower your standards a little bit so by the i think it's day, that too lowered her standards so much she's like fine i'll just drop them here i guess <laughs> i totally think that you're right like i yeah. i think that's absolutely part of it that like yeah it, they can choose and and that i think that's the reason why you know animals become egg bound um dystocia <laughs> because they can't find that spot that's good enough. Yeah. But I, I wonder if it's if there's that other piece mixed in there. Too. Oh no, I I I wouldn't be surprised. And like I like I wonder if some of them, you know, develop patterns. Sometimes I wonder if just the exercise of that for the four days, it, like mm -hmm. if that's part of just 
getting her hormones in the right place to 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 actually lay the Correct. eggs. Right. Like um, there's a hormone cascade that right. is there a hormone cascade that's kicked off by the act of digging with your back feet. And when we right. start to see it, uh, it gets more and more intense until it actually happens. Right. So like I'm really curious to see what she does tomorrow because if she lays them again tomorrow, then then this is definitely a pattern that's unfolding is you know, day four is, is lay the egg day. Um, like I, I have another turtle, um, that's laid a total of 11 nests now over the last three years. Granted last year's were not fertile. Neither was the first one this year, but, um, with her, she's like fast. She might come up a little bit the day before, but then like the day of, she pretty much like comes up maybe a one, maybe two times and within a half hour she has the whole dug then eggs laid the nest covered and she's hopping back in the water in like 30 to top 40 minutes tops she's like really routine oriented with it and again i can tell you where in the nest box she's going to lay and she's probably going to lay between 10 and 11 in the morning interesting wow Hmm. meanwhile that meanwhile that yellow blotched um, those, those test holes and the nest hole, when she's actually dug, all of them have been done between seven thirty and eight thirty in the morning. Hmm. So that's interesting. I love yeah. to see how that correlates too. like, you can ask you, Chris, who has more experience breeding turtles than most people you'll meet. And anyone that I'm really close with, I suppose, uh, most people that I'm close with, just a wider, like the tortoises and the Asian turtles and the North American, like just such a wide range that he's worked with. So usually when I have a species, he's probably bred it or tried to at some point. So I'll just ask him like, hey, am I going out here? Am I looking in like afternoons, early evenings? Like, is this a morning laying species? Because they really do generally stick to a, a schedule day or night or midday or whatever it is that they try to do, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me. Uh, like the star tortoise I'm watching, I have enough experience with them now, which is not a ton. This is only the third year, but mm-hmm. uh, the third year of, of looking for eggs. And th- like by this point, I know like she's not going to be digging at 10, a- 10 a.m. She's going to wait until, you know, I'm like getting ready to end my work day. So I check the cameras once before I'm coming home. I check today. She's digging again. Got home. She was still digging. She was digging up until about an hour ago, and she gave up on the nest. So, or the hole. I guess it wasn't a nest. It was a test nest at best. So, yep. Anyway, do you sometimes like what's that, Emily? Uh, well, I said, do you have? Uh, I don't know if I said that right, but do you have cameras on all of your turtles? Is what I was trying to say. I wish. Yeah, I don't know. I keep like forty species now, so mm-hmm. that'd be a lot of cameras. Yeah. That's I have like I yeah six cameras. Oh, so yeah. that's a lot. Six yeah. on animals, but I have others on the property so I can see what's going right. on. Yeah, I've got three on nest boxes um, as I um, get some other things set up this summer. I'll probably add cameras, if not right away, soon after. Um, they won't. Most of them won't be getting turtles that are going to be breeding, but it's also really nice to be able to watch basking behavior because like with map turtles, that's a, a great place to, um, that's a great way to identify if they might be not feeling well or having some weird behavior. If you see them basking at weird times that they don't normally bask for that mm-hmm. specific turtle. Yeah. So 
Yeah, we do that too. If I see like someone's been hanging out under the waterfall for too long, I'm just like, it's been two days. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? You need to go Mm -hmm. to the vet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes, and like, and as you know, sometimes, right. Sometimes you can, especially if you don't have like, you don't get to spend all day look at working with them or looking at them. And especially it's not like, we're not like a zoo where we've got an in-house vet that we can just like last second, you know, just like five minute walk in the building or whatever emergency kind of a thing. Um, You know, sometimes you see something and you're like, Hmm, let me watch that. Right. And Mm -hmm. then two days later, the turtle's gone. Right. Yeah. Cause they do such a great job of hiding things. Right. So yeah. you try to observe as much as you can, but like for the bulk of people out there, you know, especially with our personal collections, we're not with them all the time. We're, we're watching what we can from cameras during the day, but you check on them at morning. You might check them on at night a couple of times. But again, like we're talking basking turtles. When you go check on them, what do most of those turtles go do? Not bask, yeah, right? right? Spoken so, like a true map turtle nerd, <laughs> right? Yeah. Those, those things are the so, most flighty like animals. Map turtles. Oh yeah, the, they're so they're, oh, yeah. Male Texas maps are about the only ones that won't just leap right off, and and then not a map turtle. I have an eastern painted turtle that she does not give a rip what I'm doing. She's like, no, nope, this is my basking time. Just gonna have, like she is such the tame like captive turtle. Mm-hmm. Well, she's had like 15 years with you to realize that you're not going to hurt her, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that particular turtle, years. yeah, yeah, that particular turtle's been here uh, 14 years, yeah. Now, the one that was my first turtle, she's still like a wild turtle. She will leap right <laughs> off of there, and I've had her for 18 years now. She Eight? still doesn't trust so. you. <laughs> Um, she's just that she does not like other, she does not get along with other female turtles either. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like she, she has her, her own. When you make dad jokes, like we talked about earlier, maybe or? you're giving off female turtle vibes and that's why she's not Ooh. like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you totally, I've been meaning to tell you, but, you totally, but yeah, it's really funny that vibes. like, she really likes being with male turtles of any species mm-hmm. and she does not like being with other female turtles of well, pretty much any species over the, over the time since Lisa and I have been married, I've, kept her with various other turtles and it's been interesting to watch the various different interactions over time. So I think you should write that article. Which one? I'm giving off female turtle vibes. No. (laughs) 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 The mean girl, the mean girl painted turtle by Steve Enders, the turtle room. Yeah. I'm just saying, I know the people are reptiles. They'd probably take it. Personally victimized by your turtle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it'd be a lovely story. (laughs) She's just misunderstood. Maybe a children's book. Yeah. No? Aw. Misunderstood painted turtle, yeah. This is an opportunity here. You're sleeping on it. I can literally smell the money already. (laughs) You're going to be rich. (laughs) Not really. It's okay, though. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because we have our big outdoor turtle pond area and um, you guys, uh, if you haven't seen it, you've seen pictures, I think. And um, 
when we have all of our turtles lined up on the sunny spot along the back wall, there's some, I can walk over them, pick them up, move them, put them back, and they just don't care. But there's some, if they make eye contact with you, they're just like, oh, gone. And they immediately dive into the water. So it's just a personality thing, I think, too. There's got to be something related to it uh, because they've all been out there about the same time, only a couple of years, and they just adjusted right away. And some of them, I guess, just have different backgrounds. Yeah. And that's in that's in the area that you guys have outside. Our outside area, yeah. I love uh, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of them, like one of ours, goes. She's our albino red-eared slider, and she has trouble seeing uh, albino. And so, what we'll do is we actually just pick her up and hold her up to the jar or the container of food. And she'll just stick her head in, get a mouthful. Then we put her back down. She goes into the water, swallows it, and then comes climbs right back into your lap to do it again. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. they. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So the, the strictly albino turtles really do struggle with eyesight quite, quite a bit. I have an albino snapper here and it's like, mm -hmm. it just, the second I go near it, it like starts biting. Like it knows yeah, the food's coming, but it see. doesn't know. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. crazy. And then when food does hit the water, it's just like hungry, hungry hippo. It's like all over the place. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah. There, I have a, I put an albino, a female albino red ear in my pond this year. And I haven't seen it for a little while, so I don't know. I don't know how it's doing. But there's a caramel out there which have, they have normal eyesight, mm -hmm. and the thing is like a champion. There's a there's a couple of them outside. One one in the pond though, and it's like a champion. And it's now that it's outside, it's all scared of me and jumping in the water every time I come around the corner. But I, I've wanted to take pictures of them. They're very photogenic, but mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something about albino turtles in a pond for me that just. I don't know, man. It makes me real excited. And I wish I, I wish I didn't feel that way because I'm totally not all about like the color morphs and stuff, but they're just so striking in like that pond, it, especially like a big slider. Like I don't even I don't I don't want to keep sliders, but albinos, like man, mm -hmm. they just they just look cool. It's it's part it's of your beginnings pleasure. too, if you if you if you think about it though too, and I think that's I think that might be one reason you you still love keeping them around too, is it just kind of reminds you where you where you totally. began. And, totally, totally, you know. So, and that's why I love painted turtles. Painted turtles were my yeah. first love. I was I was five Great. years old, four years old, and I never grew out of it. But that was like and and garter snakes. Like, man, I love garter snakes and mm. pickerel were my favorite fish to catch when I was young. Like. I love wow. those. Anytime I see any of those things, I'm I'm like a kid again. So, mm -hmm. anyway. yeah, I caught a pickerel once. They're cool, right? Was it big or no? Uh, it wasn't that big, but it was the biggest that everyone caught that day. So that's what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, congratulations. It's like a foot long. That's it. That's, that's a big. Exciting. That's a big one. I used to like net little baby pickerel and like keep them in a in a fish tank. They were my favorite because they're so like aggressive Aww. and they just sit there like they don't move. They just sit there. Yeah, you know, kind of hovering until they go and attack something, and they're like really aggressive. <laughs> I love it. Or love um, our our older wood turtle site. There's chain pickerel that live in cool. that stream. Ooh. Cool. They're, yeah. they're they're cool little fish. Yeah. I see some people joining us now. Nice to see you guys. Thanks so much for stopping. Yeah, yeah we're, we're excited we're, to see Steve. I don't blame you. He's this is yeah. a, it's a rare sighting. Now we try to keep yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe Steve is the guest instead of yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so Steve, tell us about how you got started with turtles. Just kidding. <laughs> Richard's here now. What's up guys? Welcome. 
Hello, everyone. Yeah, a bunch of folks rolling in here for the, the back half of the of the yeah of the show. Glad to back have nine. you guys joining us now. Yeah, love mm-hmm. it, love it. Uh, Emily, let me ask you a question. What do you have yeah. going on? You know, I'll ask all. We can we can all answer this question. Yeah. What project do you have going on, or what's happening right now in your animal life that has you really excited, or that you've been putting a lot of your effort into? Um. So right now, I mean, here at the center, actually, in my personal life. I have a, I don't know, I have not shared this. So I'm a bug person. I I hate to admit it, but I really like bugs. I don't want to like bugs. I didn't ask for this life, but (laughs) I just became obsessed with them. And here we are. So I have a a cockroach collection and they are called question mark cockroaches. Yeah, I didn't want to like roaches, okay? If you think it's weird, I do too, but I like them. And they are so beautiful. They have, they're black, they're small, and they have a little white question mark on their back. It's very pretty. And um, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. So look up a picture right now. They're beautiful. And I, I became obsessed with them. And recently we had an ant apocalypse. Uh, the ants kind of took over one of our uh, exhibit areas, and it was really bad. They tried to attack some of our um, cockroaches that are going to get an exhibit, and then they threatened mine so I just like I brought them home I put them in my car I buckled them in because I was so worried that uh, my tank was going to get attacked by the ants and anyway they are fine now but that is one of my big passion projects is making sure that my question mark cockroaches are safe I'm obsessed with them I check on them every single day religiously I feed them fresh fruit yeah (laughs) that's awesome I I just I can't I I know there are cool versions of them yep there they are of of roaches I just can't there's just roaches to me they just yeah. still are and i we've been how cute that is open on. on the podcast about my history with roaches i'm all set yeah yeah we have i just but but look at how pretty that was Come i on. love that you love them it yeah. makes me very happy that you love them and i'm just wondering when ants threaten roaches mm-hmm. what is that is that like uh, do they like... usually it's like a showdown one of them usually has a weapon no just kidding uh so we <laughs> We came in the day before the ant apocalypse, and there were a couple ants kind of around some of our tanks. And I know to keep an eye on it because usually in the early spring, sometimes I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but ants they get like ravenous, they're waking up and they will go on raids and they can sometimes attack the animals that are in a tank if it's a small enough animal. And they usually they'll just take over the food bowl. You'll usually, I don't know if you've seen that before with some of your turtles, but um, they went into one of our tanks and some of them had even eaten some of our cockroaches alive. And that was like kind of scary because we have some rare cockroach species that are going to go into our bug cave exhibit that's opening this summer. So we were a little bit scared that they were getting threatened by them, I guess. But the threat was that they were starting to go into my tank and I was seeing them. They weren't swarming or eating anything at that point, but they were in the tank and that's uh, dangerous enough. So Interesting. Now, I'm no entomologist, but, yeah. you know, arachnids have always been really popular in, in <laughs> with keepers and roaches as well to some degree. And then yeah. now we're seeing obviously isopods in the last like 10, five to 10 years have gone crazy. Mm-hmm. And now people are keeping ants now, these like designer collector yeah. ant farms where there are different species of ants and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Ants are pretty gangster when you think about it. Oh, but they're you, so cool, yeah. You said something else, Emily, that really stuck mm-hmm. out to me because we kind of talked a little bit about it with Tom 
Arbor on our last show just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I'll be on live with Tom on this Thursday on his YouTube channel. We're going to talk about um, Vietnamese pond turtles. I'm excited about that. It's oh. not something that we get to talk about very much. And when I say we, I just mean humans in general. Stinkers. Uh, so you mentioned um, not choosing this life, but it choosing you. And I, I've been giving that thought because I just got back from traveling. I went to to Orlando, to, to, to Florida with my family. And I had some time to think, I was writing an article actually, and I had some time to think about our conversations here. And I started to think about what Mark De Silva had said. He was giving me a hard time about how I use the word hobby. And I don't feel like I do. Maybe I do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't consider myself a hobbyist at all. This is definitely a hobbyist, a hobby, but it's more than that. It's like a lifestyle. It's a reckoning. It's like um, destiny. And that makes it Aww. sound too big. That's but that's beautiful. literally what it is, though, right? So I wanted yeah. to ask you about that because when you were explaining, it made me think mm -hmm. like destiny seems like a lot. Like destiny is like, I'm going to go on this quest and, and, die at the end. I don't know, but I guess that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. This is our life's work, right? Okay, Mark calls it a calling. Said. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like uh -huh. that. That's a good one. I don't know, yeah. but I think, but that, but then what that got me thinking is, and then, you know, the TTPG did a live stream recently and Russ Gurley was talking about this, like captive breeding is conservation. And we've talked a lot about how, well, we like the term preservation, which is actually a term that Russ came up with for the name of his group, the Turtle and Tortoise Preservation Group. And mm -hmm. it's all semantics. And this is what we got into with Tom a little bit. But I think, like, we ought to, at this point, start to play up what's happening with animals being produced in captivity. And when, that's uh, just a coincidence, but we're talking about the Vietnamese pond turtle, that is a species that is functionally extinct in the wild and would be gone if not for captive breeding. And mm -hmm. most of that captive breeding of that species, the vast majority of captive breeding of that species has happened in private hands. So we need to come up with like, yes, we need to be truthful and honest about what everything is. But at the same time, I think we really need to be, we really need to talk this up and play it up and present it as, as important as it is, because there are species already that would be gone if not for captive breeding and some of those private captive breeding and then there are species in the future that will go away if we don't figure out a way to continue doing what we're doing kick it up a notch do it better and also present it more effectively mm -hmm. so that's yeah. all. all these yeah, so you feel... sidebars so turtle preservation you was your calling was it originally your calling oh that's right actually you talked about it it's just started even back in college and before then for you right yeah, well, tur turtle keeping since I was a kid, and I can remember finding a eastern painted turtle when I was young, maybe like ten, and bringing that was ne nesting and bringing the eggs home and trying to hatch them and not being successful, but wanting mm -hmm. like nothing else in the world to hatch turtle eggs, uh, and I didn't do that until I was maybe 21, 22 hatch turtle eggs. So okay. um, definitely something that I always wanted to do for as long as I knew that it was something people could do. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, anyway, um, just mm -hmm. it's a part of it. And I think it needs to be celebrated. And I've, I've for a long time, I personally have for a long, for a long time tried to 
compartmentalize everything effectively. And I think in doing so, I personally, not to say that I'm so important, but I know that I personally have with the semantics potentially taken away some of the steam and, and um, selling of captive uh, propagation that it probably deserves, if that makes sense. So I want to own my part in that and I want to be better about that. I've, I've made a recent decision. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, um, just, to, you know, just for, for the conversation, we, you know, we, a lot of folks are trying to avoid this word now because we feel like it conveys this casualness, right? Correct. But that's not actually what hobby means, right? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Here we go. There's the definition yeah, of a hobby, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Yeah, but that's not it. And so, yeah, it conveys this casualness, but like, that's not really what that I means. I agree with you. And I see I what mean, you're we're saying. We're doing this because we enjoy but it. It's still, that's not it. And it's not just because I enjoy I, but it. But it, it doesn't necessarily carry the weight we want to with certain groups. Sometimes, Steve. Sometimes. But we got to remember it can be some of both. Sometimes what I'm doing is not enjoyable at all because. Well, oh. Yeah, I get that it too. It's a crazy amount of work and it's not fun, but I'm yeah. doing it because it's what I it's how I feel like I can make right. the world a better place in an area that I care about. Mm -hmm. No doubt. And and I think that's why we struggle with the conversation with it though is because it's got so many aspects to it, right? It has that hobby aspect. A l the reason we got into it for a lot of us, we got fascinated by it, but ultimately we enjoy our experience, you know, and we choose to use our leisure time, that free time away from our day job to do this, right? Can I ask a question? Um, yeah. You are at the Capitol uh, fighting for oh, yeah. women's rights, fighting <laughs> for pro-choice, fighting for pro-life, whatever it is, either side, not yeah. getting into the politics of it. But you're there doing that. Is that a hobby? You're choosing no, to do it. No, no, not, not that action. Right. So that's right. my point no. is to me, I think, this is more yeah. important than anything in the world. Yeah. Like like endangered species, yeah. conservation, preservation, whatever the heck we choose to call it, to me, is more important than anything. When, when Harambe was killed at the zoo, I remember right. saying to yeah, people yeah. I worked with, this is so heartbreaking. Like that gorilla means so much more than any of us. And I can remember my coworkers, my, my coworkers who were, who were uh, social workers at the time. I was before my switch to veterinary medicine were like, what are you talking about? What is wrong with you? They thought I was crazy. What do you mean Harambe is more important than you? What about your kids? Like, listen, there are billions and billions of people out there. Yes, to, to my kids, I am more important. To me, my father was more important to me than Harambe. But to the world, the fact that Harambe right. exists and to teach people who are going to see the zoo <coughs> is more of an accomplishment than I could ever make in my entire life. The fact that that gorilla exists and is there and could teach people just with its existence. Right. We saw some gorillas oh, yeah. in the Animal Kingdom last week. So... I think this is for that reason. It's much more than a hobby, and yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I mentioned we were going to talk. No disagreement we were here. I'll answer the question about what we have going on, and this kind of goes into that. I've been working my buns off building a greenhouse, and Mark De Silva and yeah. Kevin Pollock and Kevin Minto and my my stepfather have have all chimed in, and I have to just say, as an aside, as I traveled, Mark De Silva is the best. 
has provided the best care that my animals have ever received. I just want to say that because they were in better hands with him than they are with me. <laughs> my daughter walked by. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we've, they've helped me work on this greenhouse project, which has been amazing. I'm so excited about it, but everything I do, it's like, there's three more things that pop up, uh, take one step forward, three steps back, six steps back, whatever. So it's been kind of crazy, yeah. but like, it's exciting. It's a labor of love. I'm doing it. Yes. Because I want to keep animals. I want to breed animals, but like I'm at a point now where it's not fun all the time. A lot of times it sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks to wake up and have to care for the animals and all the work that needs to go into caring for them and doing what we do. It's not always fun. It's dirty. It's gross. It's grueling work, but we do it because we, feel like it's important not just because we love it because oh, yeah. i don't love it all the time right oh yeah mm -hmm. right oh no doubt no doubt um but like i just wanted like because i just wanted to you know make sure that as we're talking about that word we're actually like looking at what it means though too you know yeah i just want to just i don't know like understanding could you imagine steve so first of all we talked about personality types steve Irwin, right here so i want to figure out how do yeah. i stand up on the soapbox and explain things in a way that is going to make people care yeah. not mm -hmm. saying i'm successful as that at that it's just what i want to do mm -hmm. so that's why i think about the semantics a lot and like could you imagine steve Irwin being on one of his early 2000s or late 90s interviews and being like i just want to share my wildlife because it's my hobby like <laughs> what no, yeah. he wouldn't say that. Right. Oh, yeah. It's his life right. work. Was that your best yeah. Steve Irwin impression? <laughs> it's my hobby. That was bad. Oh, yeah. I, 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 like I said, yeah, I, I just, you know, if we're having the, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if we're, you know, talking about that, I just wanted to throw up, you know, what the actual you know, definition of the word is. Because I think when you no, have that conversation, it. it's, it's, be it's, better it's when important it's to do so. Yeah. If there's a if there's a place to play devil's advocate, please do. Like we're all friends yeah. here, and I think anytime that we can have a conversation that brings all the different sides, and that's the thing too. I've I've heard a lot of keeper focused podcasts lately because I listen to all of them, and I love them. Like that's who I am. But I yeah. want like like I want to know Peta's side. I want to know yeah. friends of animals and whatever other places are pushing these you know these these agenda items that end up becoming law like like the ESA listing of the Egyptians or like I want to hear what they have to say and I want to have those conversations because right now we're talking to an audience that generally cares about what we have yeah. to say from a from a perspective that is very similar if not identical to ours so anytime that we can say well guys there's more to the ESA than just the captive piece I don't really understand it. I'm trying to learn more, but let's keep in mind that there's there's wrinkles here and nuance that we may not all understand. Uh, I think when we can figure out what some of that stuff is, it's helpful to, to understand a little better because from my perspective, it doesn't make a lot mm -hmm. of sense. But what do you think, Emily? Are you are you with the word hobby? It's not a hobby for you. This is a profession for you and more. Right? I mean, we do end up seeing a lot of the similar uh, so I guess maybe just a different side to it. So when you say, uh, I, if someone calls you a hobbyist, right, you kind of feel like you identify a little bit differently, but that's just the term that they're giving you. I feel like we get something similar. So for example, I was in the big tort area the other day, we were feeding two of our Aldabras and one of our Sulcatas, excuse me, our Sulcatas, and a guest walked up and said, why do you have these animals here? And I was just like, oh, well, they actually all have different backgrounds. And um, 
I talked about how our sulcata was actually rehomed to us from someone else and how they get them as pets and they're small and they're very cute and then they get too big and most people can't house them. And then he was like, well, what about that one? And I was just like, well, we actually purchased this one. And he was like, why? And I was just like, well, if you've never seen an Aldabra before, these guys are amazing. They get really big. And I was telling him about them, how they live on the island in Seychelles, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, if you never go to the Seychelles Islands, then you're never going to see one of these guys uh, and unless you see another really big one in a zoo. But they're not that common in zoos. And it, he just, the way that he was very unconvinced by the way that I pitched it. It was a little disappointing to me because this is our, our passion. I feel that education is a really huge part of what we do here and just letting people see animals that they might not necessarily so that they can care for them. And uh, I just felt really defensive that he maybe necessarily wasn't buying into it. I'm not sure. He just, he wasn't as interested and uh, it was just really disheartening. I was just like, I just felt like I needed to defend what we were doing here. So maybe it's not exactly the same thing, but I feel like there is a little bit of a similarity here. And uh, I think it's very, you similar. know what? I don't want to hear what PETA has to say, because I feel like a lot of what they say is junk. So these important conversations do have to be had, but if you want to have them, Anthony, if you want to talk with PETA about it, I will pass <laughs> that book off to you. <laughs> so. No, I think and, uh, that was my kind of very, uh, aggressive or, or blunt way of saying or throwing it out there or whatever. Maybe I'm speaking a little bit out of my, out of my, you know, where, but <laughs> the, the idea though is as, as much as that was difficult and that's not the conversation you want to have, and you probably couldn't make that person understand mm -hmm. because they're what it does though, I hope. And, and the silver lining, I think that comes from those conversations is, can it help you understand that side more? Yeah. That, that hard-headed person who really made you take a step back, feel defensive and uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that's, when you, that's when you're growing and learning because you're going to be ready for that. And it stinks because you don't want to. Like, like I don't want you to have to deal with that, but you do. Mm -hmm. like, you're going to be out there every day. There's going to be people. I yeah. remember our old YouTube videos with, you know, it's an endangered turtle that doesn't live in the wild anymore because people are eating them or picking them up and selling them illegally or whatever. And we're hatching one and we're real excited and they don't even live in the wild anymore. And somebody's comment is set it free. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, how about no, this is America. <laughs> this thing's from China and no, how about no? So it's, people just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult when there, when there's that level of ignorance on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from yeah. where we are. But I think by understanding what motivates those folks, and how they go about their conversations and their dealings and what they do, it better equips us to handle things because having conversations on one side of the aisle with the people who see things the way yeah. you do doesn't help the situation at all. There's people in the middle. It's kind of like a presidential election. Like there's those swing voters. Like, you know, if you're super Democrat or super Republican and you're on Facebook and the algorithm knows what you're into. It's going to keep feeding Just you an people echo chamber, and yeah. stories that agree with you exactly. And you don't learn how to branch by learning what the other side wants and then kind of formulating what your thoughts are in a more collaborative and positive way. Then some of those swing people can come over to, to see what you're trying to say, as opposed to just, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. And I think 
as an educator, that is something that I run into pretty often. I think sometimes you can kind of tell when the person you're speaking with is already closed down to it. I'm not necessarily saying yeah. he was a PETA spy, but I'm saying he already kind of came into here with his opinion already set. But uh, it's those people who do ask those questions and you can tell they're genuinely interested. Those are the ones where I can I can tell them, uh, you know, have you ever heard of an animal called a kinkajou? Have you ever heard of an animal called a binturong or an animal called a dictic? These types of animals are, if you don't see it in a zoo, then you're not going to care that it exists in the wild. So totally. if their conservation numbers uh, goes from least concerned to suddenly critically endangered, if you've never seen it and you don't know what it looks like and you've never been up close to one, why are you going to want to help con conserve it? But if you do see it and you get to make a connection with it at a zoo and you get to see it and learn about it, then suddenly you are going to care about it. And now if the conservation numbers plummet from least concerned to critically endangered now maybe you are going to do something about it so uh, those are the people yeah that we're targeting that's our um that's those are the people i hope to encounter because people want to save what they love there was your redemption arc Not right good. there yeah that was better that wasn't that was good right better. yeah i'm blushing yeah, way better I'm no it was better the second time around <laughs> That was really good, Emily. That, I didn't mean to to, to make a silly joke and squash what you just said, which was really good. I totally agree wholeheartedly with everything yeah. you just said. I yeah. love it. So, Steve, what do you got going on that you're excited yeah. about? Uh, okay, so I'm going to throw in one other thing into that that general conversation first, and I'll, I'll oh, head that do. way. Oh, please do. Yeah, sorry. So, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I've recognized over the last couple of years, too, is – when the thing you're passionate about turns into more than a hobby, you know what you find yourself actually needing? A different hobby as well. That <laughs> other thing, right, that you do to kind of take your mind off of some things that's a little le little more, well, not mindless necessarily, but it's that like, okay, this is the thing that like, okay, I'm really upset about this turtle dying or these eggs not hatching or man, that was a lot of hard work building that greenhouse. I need something to go do to seven, like, yeah. That, and I, like, I think when you find yourself going like, yeah, I need that other hobby. That might be the sign that your hobby is no longer hobby. And it's way bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> what are your other hobbies? Steve? Your destiny. Uh, well, I, you can, you can see some of my star Wars Lego in the background, of course. Okay. And I've been doing video gaming for a little while and I, do some competitive video gaming and well, I love baseball and Anthony knows I'll sit and watch a Cardinals game every night. Yeah. So, um, you know, those kinds of things. Are you only um, star Wars or are you also star Trek too, by any chance? Cause I'm, a I Trekkie. love star. I love star Trek. I love star Trek. <gasps> I'm a huge Trekkie. Oh, that's so awesome. Yes. Um, DS nine. Oh really? Okay. All right. I just Probably my favorite enterprise. Oh yeah. It's under enterprise is underrated. I do wish they would have gotten to go just a little bit longer. Yeah. I think they were finally hitting a good stride. Mm -hmm. but Especially towards the end, uh, there was that. We're one losing episode. Anthony now. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. We'll bring it back. <laughs> yeah. No. So my dog's name is Kalis. Uh, after I mean, you know. Oh, that's dog. fantastic. Yep. And then my hawk, his name. Uh, when I had him, his name was Batleth. So Kalis and Batleth. Yep. Nice. Super nerd. I don't. I don't know what that means. Is that from? It's Star from Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, it's Star. Star definitely Star Trek. <laughs> Klingon, in fact. I'm just kidding. Yes, Klingon. Um, <clears throat> I'm embarrassed. Yep. 
for but, me. Uh, but yeah, so um, so what, what do I have going on? With it? So um, many of you know that I have raised a Texas map turtle. Uh, got it as a hatchling 14 years ago now. Um, the last couple of years, she'd lay, she's laid a couple of nests each year, but they haven't been fertile. I've only had one adult male in there. Um, thanks to a friend, I, you know, I've been raising up with a couple other males. One of them reached, I don't know, two or three years old. And on, I think it was on Monday. Uh, so I think it was a week ago, Monday, a week ago, um, dug up a nest. I did accidentally pop one of the eggs that happens, uh, but first fertile Texas map eggs from this turtle that I've raised from a hatchling for, for 14 years. So that's really exciting. Um, they're in the incubator. They're in the incubator for male three eggs, uh, trying to get some male Texas map turtles. Cause I know some folks, some other folks have been kind of looking for males. Um, I think Michael at one point, our good friend, Michael might've been looking for a male Texas map turtle at one point. No idea if he's gotten one yet, but anyway, so that I'm really excited about. Um, I've got I've got 20 eggs in the incubator. I think that's great. I think one, two, three, four, five. I think about 13 of them are fertile. Um, I only have nine eggs. I only have nine eggs right now. I'll have you know. Wow, this I think this is a first, Anthony. I think this is a first. That's good. I'm excited mm-hmm. for you. I'm gonna. I'll I'll be kicking your butt soon. Oh, I know you will. I know you will. Enjoy a while with us. <clears throat> If this yellow blotched map turtle keeps doing doing her thing, though, there's going to be a lot. Of, like her her clutches tend to be like five six eggs, so like there could be another six of those in the incubator. Well, tomorrow yeah. we'll see. But we have to wait until um, yeah, the Maremis right. start laying because they have. Oh my gosh, there's so many Maremis females here now, and they lay a lot of eggs. So and a good amount of clutches too. Yeah. I think I got like forty five eggs from these weird green Maremis. Cora uh, Pani hybrids. Okay, I think there's like forty-five eggs. eggs just from those, just from those few females. And yeah. there's the big reeves that lay right. up to eighteen, nineteen eggs in a clutch. And then yeah, it's uh, insane. There's some Maremis japonica females here now too. I think I'm hoping that they'll be pretty prolific because there's quite a few of those big females. So looking, looking really good. Oh my gosh, Chris, that is hilarious. Those are really numbers. <laughs> pump those numbers up. That is from Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie quote. Oh my gosh, I love it. Absolutely. We've had a really good chat uh, tonight. I've been reading it. There's some really good ones here. I want to just say congratulations to all of you involved. The chat has been on board. Yeah. So, yeah, epic. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm just reading through it now. I can get you on. You're so sweet. Yeah, I know. Isn't he sweet? Congrats, Steve. Everyone's saying congrats. Seriously, 14 years. That's crazy. Now, my my last question on that, Map Turtles, you have a few projects where you're just starting to come into that exciting time with yeah. them, but you're looking at 12, 13, 14 years on those. Yeah. Like the Barbers. Yeah, barber, maps, yeah Barbers are close. In, but this is th- this will be year 13 with the Barbers. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> is that normal for Map Turtles? Are you a little behind the... I feel like it's... You've grown them slow. I'm, I don't rush. I don't rush for it's sure. More like, yeah. It's probably more like the timeline of like a wild turtle as opposed to yeah. You know, and I, something I don't that have, somebody's keeping in Florida. Right. I don't have that Florida climate and um, I don't like – I don't feed every day in the winter. Like I let the basement get down in the 60s and they stop – they basically stop eating anyway. It, you know, the, the, How long? Four months? Three months? 
They eat very little from November till March. Basically, when we're, you know, clock changes. Yeah. Um, but you know that the, the days are getting shorter. So, like, while the while the the the, the lights are on when the, you know those day those short days when the lights are only on for like nine and a half, ten and a half hours a day. Yeah, they don't they don't eat much. I find their eating goes more with the lighting I provide than anything else. But again, everything's on naturally timed lighting. So. Yeah, they they definitely slow down in the winter. So I, I suppose this is a good, we're, we're at an hour 11. Mm -hmm. So this is a good time to, to wrap things up. I want to thank everyone again for being active in the chat, for hanging out with us. And this was kind of a weird one-off for us to just jump in uh, today and, uh, and do this, but we're happy to do it. Uh, Thursday, I'll be on with Tom Arbor, Two Turtle Tom on YouTube. Friday, uh, the TTPG is having another live stream to talk about ESA stuff, uh, which I really look forward to. And then uh, in three weeks on June 5th. 5th. Yep. Yes. That's the big one. June 5th, we will be back uh, for episode 100. Yeah. 10 years in the making. Mm -hmm. That's not how math works. Obviously, we mentioned earlier that we missed a few months in there, uh, different times in our early days, but we are just hitting episode 100. 100. We also had that one with Monk Yun Ro. You remember that one uh, that we had to redo? So we lost a month there, too. I remember that. It was technical issues. We couldn't even keep the episode, mm -hmm. but we, we, had a, we had a second one. So we figured out the technical issues these days. It's really fun. And, you know, there's a lot of turtle podcasts out there and reptile podcasts out there more than ever, which is really exciting. The more that we can do this, the more people get used to watching here or there, uh, the more the algorithm supports other people and keeps the conversations going and we kind of feed off each other. So uh, I love it. I'm, I think it's really exciting. It's a much more fun atmosphere to be doing this than, than it was 10 years ago when we were trying to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. So anyway, thank you everyone. Thanks, guys. Uh, Emily, I appreciate you so much. Steve, love you, man. Uh, yeah, Emily, I'll fun. see you in a little less than two yeah. weeks at Riverside. If anyone's in the mass, the Western Southern Massachusetts, uh, Northern Connecticut area and wants to come out for a turtle talk, I'll be doing one at Riverside Reptiles Education Center on the 27th of this month. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate y'all. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Deuces. <laughs>